This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever. Oh, no. What is up, Lakers Nation? Welcome to the inaugural edition of the Basketball Reasons Podcast, where we chronicle the past, present, and future of the Los Angeles Lakers front office. I'm your host, Charles Diamond, the Black Bruce Wayne, but you can call me Rick for short. I'm here with the esteemed, the talented, the multifaceted Omar Kamara. Omar, say what's up to the people. <laughs> Yo, what's up, people? And I guess what's up, Laker Nation? Listen. I never thought that I'd be like addressing the Lakers nation specifically. So this is just super exciting for me because, you know, I'm trying to move out to L.A. anyway. So y'all about to be my family. So Laker Nation, what up? Please, please, Laker Nation. Now, don't hate him for his fandom. And we're going to get into that a little later. Uh, But when he goes to L.A., embrace him. Welcome him with open arms. Because as we will find out by the end of this podcast, Omar could have been a Lakers fan. I could have been, man. I'm about to be like Justin Timberlake. You know, he was a Memphis Grizzlies fan. Now, all of a sudden, he's at every L.A. Lakers game. I'm about to convert real quick. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into it then. Uh, Seeing how this is the first episode uh, of Basketball Reasons, I thought it was only right, only appropriate for us to discuss the namesake trade. The namesake transaction. Can't say trade because it wasn't a trade uh, for this podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to start it off. We're going to get right into it with the veto, the Chris Paul canceled trade. Just to give you a sense for a little background for some of our listeners who might not be aware. On December 8th, 2011, Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak, president of basketball operations and general manager, respectively, of the Los Angeles Lakers, finalized a three-team trade in which the Lakers would send Pau Gasol to the Rockets. The Rockets and Lakers would send Kevin Martin, Luis Scola, Goran Dragic, the New York Knicks 2012 first-round pick, and Lamar Odom to the Hornets. And the Lakers would, of course, receive Chris Paul. Now, after uh, a few hours, I actually texted my dad when that trade happened. He didn't respond for a few hours, and by the time he responded, the league had canceled the trade. A few days later, the Hornets ended up trading Chris Paul to the Clippers for Eric Gordon, Chris Kamen, Al Farouk Aminu, and the Minnesota Timberwolves 2012 first-round pick. At the time, an NBA spokesperson uh, was quoted as saying, The general manager of the Hornets was not authorized to make that trade. And acting on behalf of owners, we decided not to make it for basketball reasons. Now, this trade has been discussed and analyzed by Laker fans and Laker haters alike over the course of the past five years. But seeing how this is the namesake transaction for the podcast, plus David Stern's been talking a little bit more about it recently. Some new information has popped up. I thought it was only fitting to get into that right off the bat also because that transaction sort of started off it was the it was the spark that started the the fire it ended up being a dumpster fire of lakers basketball for the last few years sort of turning the page a little bit now with magic johnson at the helm and lonzo ball starting at point guard but for a few years it was dismal and this trade is sort of the start uh, uh or this failed trade i should say is sort of the start of that tradition so uh, let's get into it. David Stern actually appeared on Nuno Damasio's podcast in May 2017. And Nuno Damasio, uh, Ghanaian, Ghanaian reporter uh, for the New York Times, shout out African reporter, shout out black journalism, what up, what up? Uh, <laughs> was asked, to, he asked David Stern to explain the trade in layman's terms. And basically what David Stern said was that the Hornets weren't getting enough for the trade. And that once the trade was vetoed, Mitch Kupchak panicked and moved Lamar Odom to Dallas. Uh, that's an infamous trade uh, in, in Laker history. Moved him to Dallas for just a trade uh, trade exception, basically a cap mechanism, a salary cap mechanism. Uh, and that he wasn't in constant communication with the league office. So the first thing I would like to discuss 
is David Stern's position in that? I wanted to get Omar's explanation, honestly. Did he have the authority to do that? Did he handle it the right way? Uh, and did politics get involved? But first, before we get into that, Omar, why don't you give the people a little background on, on who you support and, and why you support them? This should be entertaining. This is, this should, it is going to be very entertaining because I think when I describe who I follow in basketball, people are going to be like, that doesn't make any sense. I think the knee-jerk reaction is you pick a team, the team where you're from, and you follow them. I'm just such a huge fan of the game and the game overall. I like watching the whole thing. But more importantly, I have players that I like. And so far, the player that has 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 powered my soul and gave me life in terms of the beauty with which he plays the game, the way he carries himself as a man, is Chris Paul. And that's part of the reason this is such a big deal as Lakers Nation, since I'm not officially a Lakers fan yet. This is such a big deal because I'm a fan of Chris Paul. And so, so far over the last couple of years, I go where Chris Paul goes. So I was a Hornets fan. And literally, I have no affiliation to New Orleans <laughs> at all. Um, but the reason that I was a fan is because of Chris Paul, because I respect this player and I follow this player. So if not for David Stern, I would already currently be an L.A. Lakers fan. OK, I'll be looking good. I'll be looking good. I'll be there. I'll be there with y'all. OK, with Justin Timberlake, with Rick Lampkins. I'll be there ready to go. But alas. I was a Clippers fan. Now I'm a Rockets fan. That's even better. That's even better. I follow them. We're doing we're doing well. But man, man, how this changed the story and even my story um, in terms of enjoying basketball and watching basketball. You, you know, I'll be honest, Rick, just hearing it when you talk about the pieces that were involved. I know this happened. What year was it? 2013? 2011. 20, uh, December 8th, 2011. 2011. It, it just hurts, man. It, it just hurts <laughs> because because of the beauty of what could have been. The beauty of what could have been. So in regards, I'm sure we'll get into all that, but in regards to just straight up what's what's look, absolute hogwash, David Sir. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like, let's be real. Let's just be honest. We how how dumb do you think we are? And so does he have the authority to do it? I think I guess technically, you know, because at the time he was uh acting as the ownership. But they so this is actually something that's it's interesting. They had someone else in place. Um, as like the interim owner of the team, correct? Yeah, and and well, so they had they the league for for those who don't know, the league took over the team, basically bought the team from its previous ownership, but. Uh, the league also instituted Dell Demps as general manager, or maybe he was there before. Either way, Dell Demps was general manager, and he was under the impression, at least, and I'm sure the rest of the league was under the impression, at least, that Dell Demps had the authority to make trades on behalf of the Hornets. That's that's the issue at hand. Right, and that's where it becomes interesting. because So the, so the question is whether he had the authority to do it. I think no. I think that this was literally – there was so much more going on into it. I think this is not a question about – I think it's funny. He said basketball reasons, but if I really just looking at the trade and looking at the things that I've, that I've noticed and I've analyzed, it seems more and more like this is for business reasons. The reason this was done is because mm. of making sure that the owners were happy. They just came out of this, this collective bargaining agreement. They just came out of discussing how they exactly want to create parity in the league, how they don't want to have super teams, how they don't want to have the teams who have been successful, the, the Lakers, the Celtics, just running everything. That was why it was done. In order to make the other guys, the other people who would be sitting around the table happy, literally it had nothing to do with what's going on on the court. It has to do with uh, finances. It has to do with everything like that. So is it basketball reasons? Absolutely not. It's business reasons. And those business reasons, I think, are exactly what makes it such a muddy case because he's as a, as the being at the head of the league, he shouldn't be making those decisions based off of what he's hearing with the other owners, based off of business. He should be making off of what's best for the league as a whole. 
I mean, I thought I was the Lakers fan <laughs> who was bitter about this trade. Apparently, you just took the words right out of my mouth. You you hit on some important points. The league had just gotten out of uh, collective bargaining, had just ratified a new CBA, and I think some of the smaller market owners, Cough Cough, Dan Gilbert, and Mark Cuban, honestly, they both they weren't even quiet about their their dissatisfaction with the trade. They both wrote letters to David Stern arguing about how the trade was unfair. Honestly, I think it was all about optics. Like Omar said, it was a business decision about optics because David Stern, great, great commissioner. I don't even want to. I don't want to. I don't want to sully his name or his tenure at all because he was a great commissioner uh I, there he took over the league at a time where uh people were talking about how the league was too black people were talking about that people were talking how the league wasn't nationally televised how games were on a tape delay and he took the league and he, he pushed it onto a pedestal and set up the current commissioner adam silver to just grow the league uh through broadcasting deals through uh even, even things as controversial as the dress code and things like that you know, he set the league up for success. So I don't want to take anything away from his tenure, but this was a gross misrepresentation of the commissioner's power. He did it for political reasons. Mark Cuban wrote him a letter. Dan Gilbert wrote him a letter, and he didn't think it was right. And, oh, and, and I'm sorry. He didn't think it was right, for one, for the Lakers to acquire uh, a star for giving up so little, quote unquote, which to me, first of all, is just pure wrong. Because you look at what the Lakers gave up. They gave up Pau Gasol and Lamar Odom. That was their second and third best player on the team. Now, now, granted, you could say Andrew Bynum at the time, but I think Lamar Odom had more versatility, especially with the way the league has moved today. Lamar Odom's the type of player that could have been useful for years to come. Versatile big man, playmaking big man, switchable on multiple positions, defensive versatility. I think actually the Lakers gave up a fair amount, and then I, and this is this is me getting a little off topic here. You look at what the Hornets got back for the the Clippers from the Clippers for their their trade. That is an absolute no disrespect to any of the players for the Hornets. That was a garbage haul. Eric Gordon missed years, <laughs> literally years of basketball while in a Hornets uniform, and then left. Chris Kamen left after one year. Al Farouk Aminu left after one year and that minnesota draft pick ended up being austin rivers who plays for the clippers so it makes no sense you think about goran Dragic has stayed in the league till now also i'm pretty sure he's a loyal guy the only reason he left the suns in the first place was because they i don't know they signed like 18 point guards i wouldn't see him leaving the hornets lamar odom defensive versatility switchability uh playmaking they could have incorporated him uh, Luis Scola, solid role player for years to come. Kevin Martin, solid role players for years to come. And then the New York Knicks 2012 draft pick. Let's just take a look at the draft. They ended up drafting uh, the Rockets, uh, ended up getting that pick eventually. Uh, and it ended up being Royce White. But they could have picked after that Tyler Zeller, Terrence Jones, uh, Andrew Nicholson, Evan Fournier, uh, Miles Plumley, Marquise Teague, Thomas Tomas Sadaraski, Dre Crowder, Draymond Green, Chris Middleton, Will Barton. My point is that there was plenty of value for later picks in that draft that could have been had with more value to offer the Hornets and future flexibility than Austin Rivers. That's that's my point. So I think maybe in with hindsight, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. Whatever it can be twenty twenty, but that makes the site that that we're viewing with hindsight perfect. <laughs> And be with that perfect site, we can say that the haul they received through the first veto trade was much better for them than the second trade. Let's just get that out of the way. Second of all, the other issue is that the Lakers were going to receive incredible luxury tax savings with that trade. And I think that was one of the main issues. They would have traded away Pyle Gasol's salary and Lamar Odom's salary and would have ended up 
with uh the one of the best point guards in the league maybe even the best point guard in the league but they would have ended up with one of the best point guards in the league one of the best two guards in the league and a bunch of cap space and we can get into what they were going to use that cap space for uh later but i I think that was the issue for the owners but to that i say tough titty i don't care like don't be mad you can't be mad because you empower general managers who aren't savvy enough to come up with (laughs) difficult three-team trades that match not necessarily match financially but adhere to the rules of the CBA financially and make your team better. The owners were mad that their GMs couldn't come up with a trade as good as the Lakers did. And I think David Stern acquiesced to their their sourpuss ways. And the league ended up worse off for it, in my personal opinion. So that, that's what I have to say about David Stern. Additionally, and I, I want you to talk about this, Omar. He said, David Stern, that is, said that, the reason why the trade never happened at the end of all this, even after the veto, is that Mitch Kopchak was not in constant communication with the Hornets or with the league, and that he panicked, and that they traded Lamar Odom to Dallas in a panic move. I just want to talk about that really quickly, because the trade that the Lakers pulled for Chris Paul happened on December 8th, 2011. The Lakers did not trade Lamar Odom until December 11th, 2011. 8, 9, 10, 11. That's four days, Okay. David Stern said on Nuno Damasio's podcast that they had a trade lined up for Lamar Odom if they could receive Lamar Odom to net them a first-round pick. They were trying to work around other trades. My question, Omar, to you is this. If I'm commissioner of the NBA and I veto a trade that you make, is it my job to stay in constant communication with you or is it your job to stay in constant communication with me? Especially as you're talking about potential trades with a piece that you gained in the trade that you just vetoed. You can't veto a trade and then say, well, you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have traded your other guys that quickly. We had other stuff in the works. No, if you had other stuff in the works, it's your job to talk to the Lakers and make sure they don't do anything drastic because you just did an unprecedented move in vetoing a trade. Am I right? Or am no, I wrong? no, I think you're 100% right. I think that's what's so interesting about it. What he did has never been seen before and has not been seen since. So – as an owner, if I'm sitting here and I've I've done all my groundwork, I've sent out my guys, I've talked to I've talked to other teams, we've made good, we've shaken hand, we've broken bread. You know what? This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna make it happen. And then the commissioner comes in and blocks that. I'm sorry, maybe it's a little immaturity, but I'm not exactly gonna now just wait and be and and, and see what happens. In fact, I'm at, at that point, I'm a little peeved. I'm like, yo, what? I just did all this work, and you just init- immediately erased it. And the best reason you could give me was for basketball reasons. So forgive me for now not hanging around. Like I need to see what happens because you gave me a reason, a bullshit reason at that, <laughs> a reason that was not was not valid, and doesn't make me feel any better. Like if he if he had given a reason and they sat down and said, you know what, he's right because of this this and this it makes a lot of sense maybe we shouldn't do that that's another thing maybe they should have wait maybe they should discuss with him but for him to say uh it's because of basketball reasons they're not someone who was authorized to make the trade isn't authorized i'm sorry man i gotta keep it moving and do my own stuff because honestly there's a bad taste in my mouth uh, honestly from what you just said the main thing i got out of that is mitch kupchak ain't no punk and he ain't going out like one either you got to that's the mindset of successful people like yo he vetoed it. I'm not going to sit around and twiddle my thumbs and be upset about it. All right, I got to keep it moving. That's like that, for example, that's like if you had a girlfriend and you break up with her and then you come back two days later and you're like, oh, I thought maybe we could get back together. And she's like, nah, man, I got a new boyfriend. I had to keep it moving because you left me. <laughs> that's what happened. Wow, that was real. That, that, that just that made it even more <laughs> real. Um, thank you. Okay, so I think uh, that was therapeutic for me, honestly. I, I, I don't know about 
all the the Lakers Nation listeners out there. I know some people are over it and we just spent like eight minutes talking about it. But I also know that some people are like me and they still get mad every time they see Chris Paul in a uniform that's not the Los Angeles Lakers uniform. I'm sorry. It's not that I'm bitter. It's that he should be a Laker. And uh, I'm never going to get over that when one of the best (laughs) point guards of all time should have been in your uniform and it was vetoed for basketball reasons. That's not something you get over as a fan, you know? But because that was so therapeutic, I just want to get into some of the what-ifs now. We're going we're to spread our wings a little bit. We're going to fly into the hypothetical realm. And the first one's just a quick hitter uh, for you, Omar, I, only because we've talked about the Raptors at length, whether that be just in our own conversation or on the Hoops Head podcast. One of the things that I heard when researching this trade is that one of the ideas that David Stern was fiddling with was reworking the trade uh, where the Lakers still get Chris Paul. And instead of getting Goran Dragic, the Hornets would receive Kyle Lowry. Now that's interesting to me, right? Because as we all know, Kyle Lowry eventually ended up on the Raptors, thus creating this. I, and I, I, I don't know what the word is for a dynasty that's not a successful dynasty, but whatever that word is, that's what the Raptors are now with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. And I, I would just be really interested in in how the Hornets would have wound up with Kyle Lowry and I don't know, Kevin Martin, Lamar Oda, like that in the East over the course of time, that that seems like a team that could have could have made some noise. Obviously not championship contention, because we all know what happens uh after 2012. Um with with LeBron and the Heat and everything like that, like no one was taking them down. Obviously in the East, at least. Um, but it's just interesting to think about, you know, how how that where would the Raptors end up now? Just Demar Derozan. Maybe Demar leaves. Maybe he doesn't stay with Kyle Lowry. So so that team. So let's say what would it be? Let's say Kyle Lowry, Kevin Martin, and would would they would that still include? Would it, so just instead of Goran Dragic, so it would be Kyle Lowry, Kevin Martin, and Lamar Odom essentially. Sounds sounds about right. And a first round pick, yeah. And a, and a first round pick. <sighs> Here's the thing. I I have so much faith in Lamar Odom at that stage. I've never been a huge fan of Kevin Martin. Um, honestly, like you, you you're you're right. I think that team does make a little bit of noise. I think that team does shake up the league, and, and in fact, it would shake up the dynamics. And it still creates Chris Paul to L.A., which mm-hmm. means that the league would look completely different. Maybe at that point, LeBron decides, hey, that was kind of nice. I want to go out west too, or any, any, anything like that. But I think I think that's interesting, mainly because does it truly matter? As in, like you just said, the Raptors are a fantastic regular season team. Everyone knows year in, year out, they're getting 50-plus wins. You know, they're doing really, really well. And then in the playoffs, their style is so easy to figure out and can be stopped. They, they can't really make noise when it gets down to it. That is, that is the reality right now. If Kyle Lowry went somewhere else, I don't think it really shifts necessarily shifts the league that much in the grand scheme of things. Because what if the Hornets then just become that team? That's fair. That team that's super good in the regular season, but they can't. They they're not. Listen, if Chris Paul's on the Lakers, they're not winning the finals. Let's say they let's say like, we give them the benefit of the doubt and say that team is so good. I don't think so, and they go to the finals. They're not beating that Lakers team anyways. Yeah. So does it matter where Kyle Lowry goes? Listen, I think Kyle Lowry is a decent player. I do not think Kyle Lowry is the type of transcendent player that once he gets to your team is changing your championship hopes. Like I really think it depends on the, the pieces he has around him. So I almost want to say, do we even care? Does it matter where Kyle Lowry ends up? Uh, I think that's a fair question because you're right. No one would have cared. Kyle Lowry would have made the Hornets uh, the Raptors of the Southeast. And maybe they wouldn't have moved to New Orleans, but that's fine. Um so let, let's let's since this is basketball reasons, this is a Lakers podcast. Let's talk a little bit about how the Chris Paul led Lakers uh, would have stormed the league if they if they traded Powell and Lamar. What they would have probably ended up with is a starting lineup of 
Chris Paul at the one, Kobe at the two, uh, maybe Meta World Peace at the three, or maybe he's getting older. They start him at the four. Uh, either Matt Barnes at the three, or if they start Meta World Peace at the three, then Luke Walton at the four, and Andrew Bynum. Now, real quickly, that's a that's a good starting lineup. Um, but there's obviously some weak weak links there. Uh, obviously, Metal World Peace is getting older. Luke Walton, God bless his soul. God bless you, head coach. But nah, <laughs> not, not on the court at that point in time. But I think one of the things it would have done is it might have saved Kobe a little bit more time in terms of he respected Chris Paul. And Chris Paul was a ball-dominant guard at the time. I think Kobe would have been amenable to taking a little bit more of a not backseat role because that's the wrong word, but at least an off-ball role to allow Chris Paul to sort of man the team. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. And actually, I, th- I think it's funny. I think it goes both ways. So we're looking at these two players who, um, I, when, you're, when you're looking at them on, on a piece of paper, you're like, okay, they're both alpha males. They're both completely dominant. And they both really want the ball. They both want to take the last shot. I think that especially, let's, I know this wouldn't have happened, but this year Chris Paul's on the Rockets. I think this year is the perfect, uh, let's just use this as an example of what Chris Paul can do when he's placed with another ball-dominant player. He, I think if he got there with Kobe, he would have done exactly what he's doing now. Chris Paul said it himself in, in, in his ESPN documentary. He wants to play off ball. He's just never been in a system where he's been asked to play off ball because he was the offense everywhere else he went. I think that not only would Kobe defer to Chris Paul, let Chris Paul run things, I think Chris Paul would have also deferred to Kobe. And here's what's even better. Both those players are so intelligent and understand the game so well and also want to win so badly that I legitimately think it would have worked perfectly. I legitimately think that they would have known when to give it to the other guy, when to when to back up a little bit, when to take over the game, and who's running what. I think it would have been absolutely beautiful, just like we're seeing with Chris Paul and James Harden. Except, can you imagine having two killers, two guys who want to win badly at the top of their game at the same time? Chris Paul and Kobe Bryant, Hall of Fame players together. Honestly, man, I think that team, that team, that team, I think goes down as one of the greatest teams in history. Is 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 that blasphemous to say? I don't think it's blasphemous at all. At all. And it's funny because I was actually I was just thinking that it's the fact that Chris Paul has the same mindset as Kobe. It's part of the reason he left the Clippers. He saw that that team wasn't a winner. He didn't like the attitude that for 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 all for all the for all the good feels of DeAndre joining the Clippers again. Chris Paul didn't like the Andre the the attitude that DeAndre brought to the to the team, and he didn't like he didn't like how how much they joked around. He didn't like Blake Griffin's leadership style because he's a very serious like let's get to work kind of guy who's very about winning, and it. Him and Kobe would have set the tone for the Lakers for years to come. Uh, And and that actually is a great segue into who would have been uh, on that team in addition to CP3 and Kobe. Because if you remember, part of the whole issue of the trade was that the Lakers retained Andrew Bynum on their roster, who they later traded after all this to the Magic for or to the Sixers as a part of the Dwight Howard trade and receiving Dwight Howard. Now, I don't think CP3 and Kobe would have gotten along with with Andrew Bynum because Andrew Bynum did not care. Although who knows, uh maybe staying on that team uh would have helped him because as you saw, Lamar Odom getting traded away from a championship team really hurt his mental state and maybe that's the same thing that happened in, with Bynum as well, although I, I don't know, maybe he still goes bowling, maybe his knees are still glass, I'm not sure. But I think you can say that CP3 and Kobe 
uh, wouldn't have gotten along with with the sort of carefree bowling, hurting my knees behind them that, that the Sixers ended up with. And they sure as hell wouldn't have gotten along with Dwight <laughs> Howard because Kobe didn't even like him by himself. And Dwight didn't like Kobe either, to his credit. But I think we all know who the real issue was in that locker room. Um, cough, cough, it won't Kobe. Um, I think with the Lakers still active on the trade market at that time, and just looking at the, the looking at basketball reference, they made like four trades <laughs> after that, after that failed or trades or signings after that failed Steve Nash trade. So they were still really active in the trade market, which gets a little interesting when you think about who they could have traded uh, Andrew Bynum for that would have meshed well with CP3 and Kobe. And I, I, I want to get into it. Omar, I want to hear some of what you have to say also, but the one trade I just wanted to sort of pitch out just to jump jump start this with is i don't know if you recall uh around that same time around 2012 uh well granted granted this was you know after the season during the off season which i think would have been somewhat realistic imagining cp3 and kobe going through the rest of the season without a trade um but then after the season there was quite the uh quite the trade market and quite the free agent market available actually let's go let's go over some of these free agents first right let's go over some of these free agents uh free agents in the 20, 2012 uh off season, we had such names as Anton Jameson, right, Richard Jefferson, Darrell Wright, Kenyon Martin, interesting, OJ Mayo, Tony Allen, Richard Lewis, Grant Hill, Damari Carroll. Let's just look at some of those names. You don't think Tony Allen on a team with two of yeah, the greatest ahead, win win locked in defensive guards of all time, that creates a terror defensive a uh, 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 backcourt that's crazy Rashard Lewis yeah it's he's like kind mm. of a meme now because of his huge contract he never lived up to it but that man was on a finals team with the magic and he won a ring with the Miami Heat that's a championship pedigree player Richard Jefferson championship pedigree player so and, and keep in mind after all this after the sort of Miami Heat uh big three players were in ring chasing mode players wanted to go to a team with good players already players who are already in championship contention and take their talents to a team that all they needed was another piece so i'm looking at players i'm looking at players like grant hill you don't think grant hill grant he was a little hurt back then you don't think grant hill tony allen rashard lewis wanted to go play for two of the top top 25 players in league history for a chance to win a title you don't think maybe lamar odom after a trade says why don't i go back to the lakers they treated me well he could have gone back after a year they had they had opportunities in free agency to, to, to really make some noise. And, and there, there's three names that I want to go in depth with you with. One is the Celtics. Now, the Celtics had just lost, I believe, to uh, 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 the Miami Heat in the finals. Oh, I'm sorry, in the Eastern Conference finals. Ray Allen was becoming very disillusioned with his situation. He didn't like Rondo. Uh, he didn't like the situation. He didn't like he was being put in. And my man Ray Allen left the Celtics and went to the Miami Heat in free agency specifically just to get back at the Celtics. Uh, And as we all know, ended up winning a ring with that big game six shot, even though he traveled. No big deal. Imagine if the Lakers at the time had CP3 and Kobe. Keep in mind, the league's getting smaller. Kobe can start to transition into a, a, a three role. Imagine if Ray Allen says, you know what? Going to the Heat would be great to stick it in the face of the Celtics. But you know what would be even better? 
going to their biggest rival in the history of the league and helping them win championships to surpass the Celtics in most championships by an NBA franchise. If he's petty enough to join LeBron in the Heat, I think he's petty enough to go to the Lakers. Oh, oh, 100%. And I think so even just so going back to that list you just said, so you, you made some fantastic points there um, about in terms of Ray Allen's pettiness and getting it done. I think that's that's an even more stick it to him. That's a, and not only that, I think if he goes to the Lakers, it's almost also like a stick it to the league. Like now we got this big three over there, um, our big three broken up. All right, cool. I'm gonna come over here and make another big three, and now we're just gonna we're just gonna demolish everything from this side. Like how y'all like that? Um, I think that would already be beautiful. But then, like you were saying earlier, man, just looking at this list, I legitimately think with Chris Paul and Kobe that you legitimately have access to any of these players that you want because like you said everyone's in championship championship mode but more importantly don't underestimate how much the value of having star players affects people going there so like literally grant hill damari care richard lewis they're like yo do you want to go play with chris paul and kobe um yeah sure i think it's a no-brainer for any of them so legitimately any of those teams any of those combinations in fact there's value in a lot of those different players in any of those lineups tony allen lineup would be fantastic like you said defensively Rashard Lewis spacing the floor a little bit. Um, Chris Paul feeding to Rashard Lewis, hitting corner threes, anything like that. It, it would be beautiful. So literally, add Ray Allen, add any of those other players. I mean, I think it's it's it's, it's they're picking from it's, they're they're picking the litter at that point just because of who they are. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. Also, there, there's a, a couple more things, and, and this is this is the one that sort of gets me. I, I, as we've seen over the course of time, hopefully not anymore, but the Lakers are not shy at all about trading first-round picks for, for star players. Um, and as we've seen with teams like the Brooklyn Nets, uh, <laughs> or I'm sorry, the Boston Celtics, people, teams, general managers, will gladly accept your first-round picks uh, if you're willing to give them up. So the Lakers, after all this happened, ended up trading just a boatload of first-round picks for old Steve Nash, no disrespect. But there's a trade... That happened in 2012 uh, that occurred as a team was trying to gain assets for a star player. And that trade happened to be James Harden to the Rockets. Okay, Now, undoubtedly, if the Rockets had been a part of that trade uh, with the Lakers and the Hornets, they would have gotten Pau Gasol. So they still would have been on the market, but I don't know if they would have had the assets to trade for James Harden, especially because uh, Kevin Martin, Kevin Martin was a part of that trade to send. To, they sent Kevin Martin to the Thunder for James Harden, so that trade would have that would have looked completely different. Maybe, just maybe, as the Oklahoma City Thunder are trying to decide: do we keep Serge Ibaka or do we keep James Harden? Maybe the Lakers look at their roster and say, "Hey, we have two Hall of Fame guards. Maybe what we need is a versatile big man to sort of transition us into this new stage of the NBA." Maybe the Lakers throw those picks that they threw at Steve Nash at the Thunder for Serge Ibaka and the Thunder keep James Harden with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant mm. instead of Serge Ibaka. Now, that's my favorite what if because as we all know, the Thunder sort of I, I, I don't want to say they, they messed up, uh, even though they did. I don't want to say they messed up on wax. I, I want to say they misjudged the market and they misjudged they misjudged their ability to, 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 to sign their stars. Right. And I think the Lakers, as we've seen by this very trade, are ready to pounce on an opportunity. And I think they would have pounced on that opportunity. And that would have just changed the league completely, completely. I didn't even think about that, bro. 
I didn't even think about that. But I mean, I think so. We all know now, just based off, let's look at the two players. Of the two, James Harden is a much stronger player than Serge Ibaka. So, so I, I, I appreciate your mm-hmm. your candor and 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 I mean, and also you know wanting to apologize and let them know, like you know, I'm not saying that they made a mistake. They made a mistake. They made a mistake. <laughs> I think I think betting on Serge Ibaka was the incorrect move, not because Serge Ibaka is a bad player, but just because of the the ceiling. I think for James Harden was so much higher in terms of what he could do. Now I get it; they had three dominant, they would have had three ball dominant players. It didn't really make sense, but I'll be honest with you, man. In terms of shifting lead, we're t- we're talking about um, Chris Paul and Kobe and them being entirely dominant. I am not entirely certain that a uh, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden team one does not only not break up and turn into what has happened now with Kevin Durant on the Warriors, but isn't just a fantastic team. Like those three guys, you add anyone else, it doesn't matter who the other role players are. I think that team, especially with the youth they had at the time, mm-hmm. yo, that's that's a competitive team. And then do the and then on the Thunder, the team overtaking the league. Maybe does Chris Paul and Kobe win a championship or two, and then next the Thunder take the helm and do the rest of it? Like that that switches everything. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sorry, this is a little bit off topic, and, and I'm backtracking a little bit, but. I agree with you. It was, the trade was a mistake. I think betting on Serge Ibaka was the wrong move, uh, not because he's a bad player, as you said, but because the league was shifting to a more perimeter-centric uh, 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 game. And I think that the Thunder sort of didn't see the future of the league in that way, which is a hard thing to do, to their credit. But I think had they been better able to predict the future of the league, they would have said, hey, we have two fantastic guards and a, uh, a swingman who can score at will, and the league switching to a more perimeter-centric game. Maybe this is the way to go. Um, but also... To defend Serge Ibaka, and I, I know you hate when I defend players who who <laughs> who fall short of their potential. To defend Serge, look, I, I like Serge Ibaka, so you can go ahead and defend Serge. I actually like. Serge okay, Ibaka. good. You can go ahead and defend Serge Ibaka. Got traded to the Orlando Magic. Okay, I don't. I, I've said this. I've said this before on the Hoops Head podcast. I've said this before in real life. I don't like to uh, just just be negative about organizations, but there's something wrong with the Orlando Magic organization. I'm just looking at their draft <laughs> picks right now. Kyle O'Quinn. Not a great player, but a solid rotation player. Bet wrong on him. Now he's playing for the Knicks. Victor Oladipo was their second pick. Floundered in Orlando. Now will be the next mm. Indiana Pacer star for years to come. Uh, mm. Second round in 2013, Romero, excuse me, Romero Osby. Don't even know. Couldn't even say his name. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Aaron Gordon. Granted, he looks good now and looked great at the beginning of this year. I guarantee he'd look better on another team. Mario Hazonia has been floundering in Orlando. I'm just waiting for him to get out of that city to play for another team. Uh, Domantas Sabonis eventually traded to Oklahoma City uh, and then traded to the Pacers. Also looks like a good rotation player. Uh, Even Dario Saric, even Dario Saric eventually traded to Philadelphia. I think that was a draft night trade. But even he looks like a rotation player. So yeah, I think that obviously, obviously, no doubt about it, James Harden, better player than Serge Ibaka right now. But who knows? Maybe if he didn't go to the Magic, he'd be Carl Anthony Towns right now. Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay. All right, Carl Anthony Towns is a stretch. Carl Anthony <laughs> Towns is a stretch. It's, um, especially because um, actually only one of those players can play defense, so don't do surge like that. Uh, <laughs> wow, okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, my bad, Carl. All right, look. I think that you, I think you're 100% right. I think that – and actually I said this on the Hoopshead podcast earlier. I think that people underestimate most of the time when they're looking at, at players as they come into the league and they're in certain situations. Oh, he's just not living up to his potential. He's just not playing well. We thought he was going to be better than this. He's not. And they tend to just 
forget about systems and cultures and coaching and all of that stuff. So when we're looking at Surge, yeah, he got there. We expected him to kind of blossom and become bigger. But like you said, man, that organization isn't well run. That organization didn't have a fantastic coach who was ready to lead them to, to any sort of greatness. In fact, like you said, they made a bunch of wrong decisions about their players. It seems like also they weren't invested in their players, which is why they got rid of Oladipo, which is which is why it's it's weirdly, they only seem to be invested in Alfred Payton which I think doesn't make sense because I think out of all the players they had, he is the one they should not have invested in. Mm-hmm. But but once but again, another game. go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, but once again, who knows? Maybe if Alfred Payton was on the Phoenix Suns, he'd be averaging a double-double. I don't know. But anyway, continue. Yeah, 100%. And so so for that, yeah, maybe maybe that did stunt Serge Ibaka's career. I mean, he's doing better in Toronto. Um, I, I I think he is doing a little bit better. I mean, at least he's on a team with a, with a winning culture. Um, although he did say he might be going to play with John Wall to try to get a Rolex, so that so that might switch. He might look good in a Wizards uniform. We'll see. Yeah, he did say. That. Um, I think that I think that'd be a great combo: pick and pops with John Wall and Serge Ibaka. Got Otto Porter and Bradley Beal on the wing. Like, what's up? That's amazing. Yeah, I'm not trying to get off topic, but I do love the Wizards. I think the Wizards are just one piece away from making series. Like, yo, if Kevin Durant had went to the Washington Wizards, I just think that that yeah. would have been beautiful. Yeah. Another competitive, competitive, competitive yeah. team in the No, East. I agree with that. But uh, but he's a herb, so he went to the Warriors. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I say that jokingly. I mean, I say that truthfully in jest uh, because I fully support all players doing whatever they want to do with their careers as long as you're okay with catching these jokes every now and then. As long as you're okay with that, yeah, even if you just, do what you want to do. You're okay with that even if they just become the most overqualified role okay, player in the We're league. not going to do that. We're not going to do that right <laughs> now. We're going to save that conversation for later. We're going to move on because we ran a little long on that, but that was a great conversation. We're going to move on uh, right past your Kevin Durant comment before we start talking about Kevin Love and I get upset. We're going to move on to uh, the, the sort of final aspect of this of the Chris Paul veto trade is we're going to talk about what, what would Chris Paul's Laker legacy be like uh, uh, it, with a little bit of hindsight now? And also, what would Kobe's legacy be like? You know, as as CP3 and Kobe would have have grown older, obviously they would have refined their games. But like the league changed, you know, LeBron and D Wade on the heat. Maybe maybe we would have gotten LeBron versus Kobe finally in the finals. How would CP3 and Kobe matchup against the young upstart warriors you know uh, just just possibilities of those matchups and, and it would have been cool to see literally a passing of the torch between kobe Bryant, the old guard to, to one of those teams or see kobe uh still remain on top with the help of chris paul as these young teams sort of uh, rise up and, and and challenge the throne omar what do you think about that i think first i'll let's start with kobe because i think we once we get into chris paul i think we can kind of go off because you <laughs> know course. that's that's my homie so i kind of would break that down um I think just I think it changes Kobe's legacy significantly. And here's why. Right now, Kobe Bryant is constantly described as the closest thing to Michael Jordan, the next thing we've seen since Michael Jordan. And then I think the biggest tell tell of that or the biggest thing that can be used to support that is the fact that Michael Jordan has six, Kobe Bryant has five. So he's almost there. He's the closest. If Chris Paul goes to that Lakers team, I mm, maybe that's, I'm that's ambitious. Like a true I think Chris Kobe Paul Bryant right finishes with seven. Yeah. Listen, I think he finishes with seven. Look, CP3, I think is he has that championship mentality, that Mamba mentality that would have fit so well with Kobe. And so if Kobe Bryant finishes with seven, are we saying he's the closest thing since Jordan? 
Or do we start to say, maybe Kobe Bryant is better than Jordan? Maybe Kobe Bryant is should be considered one of the greatest of all time. Uh, he had his flaws and whatnot, but think about it. He was so close to Michael in every way. I mean, he was com- insanely competitive, almost competitive to a fault, but he was he, he could be alienating some people. I mean, Michael Jordan uh, punched Steve Kerr in the face. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, we still respect the hustle, the drive, the hunger, the willingness to take those big shots. I think Kobe finishes with seven. And right now, the biggest argument for Michael Jordan is he's 6-0. and He has six rings. But if Kobe has seven rings, can we 100% without a shadow of a doubt say that Michael Jordan is the best player of all time? Because then you take away, yeah, he has six, but Kobe has seven. Yeah, I mean, and to be honest, the, the rings argument is sort of the, not the only thing, but it's one of the things that keeps Kobe Bryant in that conversation. Because I was listening to a, a, a Over and Back podcast, it's an NBA history podcast, and they were talking about how if if Kobe doesn't get those two rings uh, by by him, not by himself, but without Shaq, then we don't really think of him as, you know, Jordan, uh, uh, the next Jordan. We think of him, think of him as a really good 1B that got three rings. And he's still obviously like a top 20 player, top 15 player, even maybe even a top 10 score, top five score. But he's not Jordan 2.0 without those extra two rings. So even imagining another two rings on top of that with the mythology of Kobe Bryant and his ascension during a time when the NBA was going global, it would have been out of control. The narrative would have been out of control. So I agree with you 100%. There. Oh, that oh that would have been absolutely beautiful, man. I, and honestly, I mean, I like Kobe a lot, so I would want that for him. Like I think Kobe is is he gave his heart and so I don't know, have you seen, by the way, have you seen the Deer Basketball uh the, the short video. absolutely absolutely so the animated bro i almost cried like it's it's uh, yeah no seriously i like i'm not even like i literally when when he, when he got to, like he was at the end and he was like yo i just gave i gave you my all but i can't give it anymore oh mm. he was like my heart is still in it but my body my body is not i was like yo oh. <laughs> my heart strings the little kid had the tube socks man little kobe was so excited bro anyways five <laughs> what four. i mean is, <laughs> Wow, I hope you all enjoyed that commercial for Deer Basketball. I hope you go watch it now. Listen, I promise they're not endorsing this podcast. However, if they would like, <laughs> if they would like to, we can discuss that for sure. Yeah, by all means, uh, basketballreasons at gmail.com. Send us an email for sponsorship opportunities. Uh, no, but no, but but seriously though. Um, it would have been, been beautiful, man. Yeah, it would have been it would have been beautiful. It would have been beautiful. But you know, we we've we have waxed poetic about hypotheticals in the past. For, for long enough. Now I want to I want to sort of look at the if if this were a Latin class this would be the future perfect tense. This is the would what would have happened. Uh, sorry, that was real nerdy. I, I took Latin for like six years, so please excuse me. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, William and Mary. Shout William Mary. Shout out St. Christopher's. Um, there are two more angles I want to talk about regarding this trade. Uh, and these are two league-wide angles, less Lakers-centric angles. But these are big-picture things that I think they, they matter a lot to the future of the league, to the present of the league, and the future of the league. The first one is this. Uh, as we've been over, the, the trade didn't end up that great for the Hornets. Eric Gordon uh, had an injury-played career with uh, with New Orleans, um, even though now you know he's been in the running for sixth man of the year, uh, and he's having a great career, sort of a revival with the Rockets. Chris Kamen left after a year. Al Farouk Aminu left after a year. And they finished, the Hornets, that is, finished that season, the next season, with the worst record in the West. At the draft lottery, they ended up getting the first overall pick uh, in the NBA draft and drafted Anthony Davis. Now, they also drafted Austin Rivers with the 10th pick that they got from the Clippers, but that's neither here nor there. They were so bad that they drafted 
Anthony Davis. Now, if you remember that draft, that was sort of one of those drafts where there was a clear number one, that is Anthony Davis, and the rest of everybody else was sort of a, okay, he's good, but he's not transcendent like the number one pick. Now, the reason I say that is because that attitude has sort of permeated uh, NBA trade talk and NBA front office talk for the past few years culminating in the season after Anthony Davis uh, was drafted, the Philadelphia 76ers uh, under new ownership decided that they needed to take a different direction with their franchise. And that is when they hired Sam Hinkie as general manager and basically tore the entire, they tore the whole down. They, they, they traded everyone good for draft picks and they instituted Sam Hinkie, uh, uh, sorry, established Sam Hinkie as a general manager who instituted what we now know as the process, which in layman's terms means suck for as hard as you can for as long as you can <laughs> until you get a transcendent star, a transcendent star like Anthony Davis. Now, I'm not going to say that Sam Hinkie was inspired by Anthony Davis, but I think that is one of the points, pieces of evidence that can be pointed to and saying this is this is the type of player that Sam Hinkie was going after with the process. Ben Simmons was that type of player. Joel Embiid was that type of player. Now, I don't want to get into whether the process worked or didn't work. Didn't work. I think it worked um, in, in actuality. That is, I think it worked in that they got Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. But once again, I don't know how well that would have worked in any other situation with any other scouting team because even so, they still missed out on picks, right? They got two great ones, but they still missed out on a few. Michael Carter-Williams comes to mind. But I do think that that... That season for the Hornets and that subsequent draft sort of set the tone for what it means to tank, what it means to tank for a transcendent superstar. And I, I can't help but wonder if that didn't happen, if that trade goes through a different way, if another team uh, gets that draft, uh, gets that draft pick, maybe maybe another team hops up on the lottery. Maybe it's not the worst team in the West. Maybe we look at tanking a bit differently uh, because that's something that the league has taken very seriously and even changed the lottery, the draft lottery rules over in the past couple of years. Uh, Omar, what do you think about that? I think I think one one thing I always have respected about you, Rick, is your ability to really paint the picture and paint the story because I think that was just beautifully stated. Uh, and I think what's funny is literally, can you have a conversation? In today's NBA, as a fan, as a as a journalist, um, as can you have a conversation right now that does not include tanking? Like tanking is now such a huge part of now when teams are just middle of the pack. We're like, why be middle of the pack and try to uh, build your players, develop your players? No, what you should do is try to lose on purpose so you can get good draft picks. Like that's just the way the league is going. Like you said, now they're having to put safeguards in place because teams are just like, yo, it's either tank or championship. That's just the mindset. So. Literally, if this trade happens, we wouldn't even be talking like we're talking now. We wouldn't have the two camps that say the process worked or the process didn't work. By the way, uh, the process worked. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to say, I just want to say, that. Joel Embiid is a Hall of Famer. Ben Simmons is a Hall of Famer. We'll see about Markel Fultz, but it, it worked. They are one of the most exciting and invigorating young teams. Congratulations, Sam Hinkie, you are validated. If, if they haven't validated you yet, I'm validating you right now. It worked. I'm going to go ahead and just ignore you calling a 22-year-old and a 20-year-old Hall of Famers. We're just going to roll right past that. Listen, listen, and I only say it because it's true, because they are that transcendent. Listen, is Ben Simmons not the next coming of LeBron James? Let's slow down. Let's slow down. Listen, wait till my man gets his jumper. 
Wait till Ben gets his jumper. And Joel Embiid, look, we know what's going on about Joel. Look, I'll wait. I'll wait for Ben Simmons to win a game without Joel Embiid on the floor. That's what I'm waiting for. When when series a series of games without Joel Embiid on the floor. I'm not saying he's not good. He's great, and maybe he is the next coming of LeBron James. But but I'm gonna be but, patient with it. But how many rookies are we asking that? Come on, man. He's a rookie. Let's give him some. In in, in two years. You can ask that question, but I, I'm I'm certain that, that won't be the case. All right, that's that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. But he has more triple doubles than Lonzo, so what can I say? But you know who also got a bunch of triple doubles? Michael Carter Williams. So been- <laughs> let's take a break. Let's take a step back. Let's wait for these these young players, these young men, to develop their skills, their muscles, their bodies, and then uh, let's make a uh, judgment. Rick, when they become anyway, Hall of Famers. I don't know what we should make a bet on, but the thing is, this is on record now. We're recording it, but you're going to owe me a lot of money. So <laughs> I'll owe you a steak dinner or something, but not from Opus 9. I already had to buy you Opus 9. You're from Opus 9. <laughs> Shout out Williamsburg, Virginia. Okay. I want to flame and yawn from Opus 9 in Williamsburg, and you have to fly me to Williamsburg. Well, to, which, to Richmond, and we'll drive to Williamsburg. So we'll discuss that later. Yeah, we're definitely going to discuss that later off air. Um <laughs> Okay, I don't, I don't, yo, I don't want to cut you off, but um, we never talked about CP3's legacy. Oh, I, uh, yo, since I have a, a Chris Paul fan uh, on the on the podcast right now, I'm I'm gonna let you go ahead and wax poetic a little bit, pontificate, if you will, on on what Chris Paul's legacy would be. Yeah, I, I, I'm. A, I, it's it's important to me, and the reason it's important to me is I think there are certain players who you look at who are transcendent talents, players who literally come in, change the game, do everything right, but for some reason, maybe the landscape of the league at the time, through injuries or whatever, never reach you know the mountaintop that is an NBA championship. Um, so, of course, Steve Nash comes to mind. My biggest fear as a fan of Chris Paul and watching Chris Paul's story and seeing how he's developed and seeing how he's evolved as a businessman, um, as a leader, um, as, as, as you know, working with Players Union and, and, and all the great things he's done is that he will be remembered as one of those players. He was so fantastic, man. He was so fantastic, but he was just short. He was just short of the ring. It wasn't the right time. This this trade should have happened. This should have happened. The injuries, whatever, it, it, so be it. But no matter what, I mean, Chris Paul will end as a Hall of Fame point guard. He's got the stats for it, man. He's he, he's his assists, his assist to turnover ratio, um, his feel for the game, his IQ, all that stuff is going to make him a Hall of Fame point guard. However, even now with the situation with the Rockets, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if he'll win a ring. I don't know if they can get through the West. I don't know if they can get through LeBron James, and that's the scariest thing. Will Chris Paul's legacy be one of he was a fantastic player but was not fantastic enough or couldn't get to the mountaintop? I think let's be real, especially when you have someone like Kobe Bryant, he gets to the mountaintop. And in fact, I think at that point he's going to have he would have three or four rings, and then is in the conversation for being one of the top two or three point guards of all time. And I think that's what hurts the most. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. We talked about it with Kobe. The the presence of rings in your cachet of accolades makes people look at you completely differently. And even if Chris Paul only had one, like he's already one of the best point guards of all time, straight up and down, Hall of Fame point guard, one of the best point guards of all time, two way player. If he had a ring, just one, we would be talking about him completely differently. 100%. We know who Robert Horry is because of rings. Otherwise. Otherwise, he'd be no disrespect to Robert Horry, but he'd be he'd be Jeremy Lamb. No disrespect to Jeremy Lamb either, but like he'd be Jeremy Lamb. But because he has rings, we know who he is. Chris Paul's already a Hall of Famer with a ring. Uh, who knows? Who knows? 
Yeah, and, and that's, that's actually exactly right. I'm talking about two or three rings. Just with one ring. One ring, one championship, it's validation. It just it just puts you on a whole other level because there are so many fantastic players, Charles Barkley, who do not have rings. And I think so right now his legacy, what what David Stern doesn't realize is that this veto not only shifted the landscape of the league, but also greatly impacted this man's life in terms of will he be remembered as one of the greatest point guards of all time? Or will he just remember it as that really good point guard who wasn't able to get there? Like, and and, and I know that I, I know that seems fickle, but that's such a huge deal because literally you get one life on this earth, right? One chance to make whatever you, whatever it is for yourself. And Chris Paul literally has decided to dedicate his life to basketball. He has a talent to do it, and literally now the thing that he has dedicated his life to most, he will not be able to get possibly the utmost validation because David Stern was a, too afraid to piss off owners. So Chris Paul's hard work and dedication will fall down to trying to acquiesce some big guys behind the table who weren't happy. Wow, I don't, I don't think I could have said it better myself. That, that was excellent. This team was, was going to be too good. Con- conclusion of that trade. Actually, I think that closes the, the the discussion on Chris Paul's legacy. That was amazing. So uh, we're just going to talk about one more angle, and this will be a segment called the Countdown. We're going to do this at the end of uh, every single episode, and it's just going to be uh, one one quick perspective that you might not have thought about. Um, and this one's a little heavy. This one's a little heavy. So I'm going to try to keep it to a minute uh, and then the buzzer will sound and we'll be out for this episode of Basketball Reasons. But I just wanted to go over one more thing with you. And it starts now. There were two players whose lives were adversely affected beyond just the happenings on the basketball court uh, as a result of that veto trade. And for one, I'm talking about Lamar Odom, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers forward who was traded to Dallas as a result of the fallout uh, of the veto, whose life sort of went into a downward spiral, becoming a, a journeyman only a few years removed from being sixth man of the year, uh, but who also dealt with pretty severe substance abuse and, and mental health issues uh, uh, af- after that after that fallout. And also, Houston Rockets forward Royce White. Uh, Houston, of course, drafted White uh, with the draft pick that they retained as a result of the original Chris Paul trade being vetoed. And and, and Royce White, uh, of course, uh, left the NBA due to his anxiety issues and his mental health issues. Now, a, a gentleman by the, the name of Brendan Clean wrote an article on Fansided where he, he detailed the fact that back at Iowa State, Royce White was very upfront and open about the things that triggered his anxiety uh, and, and his mental health issues in general. And Iowa State did what they could uh, to sort of cater to him and make sure that he felt comfortable at all times. And you you can't help but think and wonder maybe if White was drafted by a, a team with more of a small town feel that things would have gone a little bit differently. But I, I don't believe it's it's easy to ignore the irony uh, of the fact that Royce White came into the league and, and sort of lost a battle for better attention to players' mental health and, and physical health and, and sort of catering to those players' needs at a time when Lamar Odom really needed that kind of care and attention. Now, I don't want to blame the Rockets or the league in general because back in 2012, people really weren't uh, attuned to the these sorts of issues, especially in a hyper-masculine environment such as uh, professional sports. But five years later, we can look back and say, man, uh, if that had happened nowadays, things might have been handled a little bit differently. So that's just a general reminder that at the end of the day, you know, we talk about basketball, we talk about trades, we talk about pick and roll coverages. But but as LeBron likes to say, you know, this really is bigger than basketball, uh, uh, their, their lives and their jobs. And, and just be careful with the rhetoric you use, because like I said, they're human beings uh, and they have lives that are just as strong or just as fickle 
uh, as being traded by the team that doesn't want you. I went a little long there, along there, but uh, that's the buzzer. I'm out. This has been the inaugural episode uh, of Basketball Reasons. I'm Charles Diamond. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at underscore Charles Diamond and, and follow me uh, on Instagram as well for more updates at Charles Diamond, a.k.a. Go ahead and give Omar a follow as well. Omar, let, let the people know where they can find you. Listen, I have a Twitter. Uh, I think it's at Omar S. Kamara 1. Can you change that? We need to change that. But more importantly, follow me at Instagram at O.S. Kamara, K-A-M-A-R-A, at O.S. Kamara. Once again, listen, I'm completely honored to be on this inaugural edition. Thank you for having me, Rick. Yo, let me know when you need me back, bro. Anytime. I'd love to be here. Absolutely. This has been Basketball Reasons. 